Are you wondering why you can't trust your spouse, especially when you think you should be able to? Caleb has some fascinating research and thoughts to share with you today. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 119, and we are going to be talking about why you can't trust your spouse. So last week we talked about date conversations, what to talk about, and we had some conversation starters you could download as well. If you missed that, be sure to go back and grab it. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future shows. I'm enjoying going through the date conversation starters. Yeah, they're pretty cool. So today's episode is really tricky. We actually, just before we started recording, even had quite a discussion about whether we should even publish this or not. Yeah. So as we're talking this through, we're still unsure. We're going to see how it goes. And so I want to be really clear, and Verlinda can challenge me here, but I want to really be clear on who this episode is for, because it's probably not immediately apparent from the title. And what we're doing is, or what I'm wanting to do is to speak to the men and women who are struggling to trust their spouse, and they recognize that this trust issue lies primarily within themselves at this point. Okay. So there may have been a past betrayal or not, but this is not about reestablishing trust after a betrayal as part of the regular recovery process. Okay. It's kind of like if you're in that situation where you can say right now that I know in my head that I can trust my spouse, but I just can't get past, I just have this gnawing uncertainty inside me, right? If you know your spouse is trustworthy, but you can't get there as far as trusting them, Mm -hmm. then this is for you. What do you think? Okay. I mean, you do tell people to go with your gut. Yeah. And so we've seen a lot of betrayal and I'm working with people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And in, In our experience there too, like sometimes we see that just at the start before it all comes out, right? Yeah, yeah. And we always tell people, trust your gut and go with that. And that's Mm -hmm. where this episode has really been tricky for us is because, you know, we we believe, especially if you have the spirit of God in you, you have a very powerful, intuitive, discerning part of you, right? And and it's probably right if there is... Something wrong. (laughs) Something wrong. Thank you. Yeah. It's even hard to say this, but there are also some folks out there that we know we've been in touch with, and this was a response to a real life situation. And those folks struggle with doubts, not because of anything that actually exists in their spouse that is untrustworthy at the moment. Okay. They haven't done anything. Right. Now there's been times when, when there's been that gnawing doubt and something did come out even years later. Right. So could this be like, if you have troubles trusting anybody... This might be more of an indicator. Yeah, that could be, that could, especially people you're close to. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So again, it's not in response to the discovery of a betrayal, right? So if you've betrayed your spouse and you come across this episode and you want to give it to your spouse and hope it's going to fix them, like that's not no. how you should use this. And that's no. not how we want this to be used. Yeah. Uh, we actually have an episode coming up on a variation of, talking about a variation of PTSD called post-infidelity stress disorder. And we're going to be talking about that in episode 125, which is about six weeks out. That should publish about the middle of November. Okay. But that is about the very real challenges to reestablish trust and security following betrayal. Okay. But in today's show, Verland, I just want to be really gentle. And as you're listening, if you think this might be you, I'd like you to be gentle with yourself as well. 
because it can be a really difficult thing to get sorted out. And you know, if you'll allow one more disclaimer, what we're saying today, as in all of our shows, should be seen as a self-help tool and not as a replacement for counseling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we try it? We can try. Okay. <laughs> Do we trust ourselves? Well, we shall see. So trust, let's start with the definition of trust. It's the confidence that one will find what is desired from another rather than what is feared. Oh, I thought a pretty cool definition, yeah. right? So it's the idea that when I turn to you for something, Verlinda, I have this innate confidence that you will provide what I desire. You're safe, you're reliable, you're predictable. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're all of those things, but I can't trust you, then I have a problem that I need to address in myself. So if you actually are safe, are reliable, are predictable, but I still can't trust you, then it's an indicator that is quite likely a, a problem within myself. Okay. Again, with the qualification, and I think we're gonna have to stop making these caveats after this, but again, with the, the caveat that there's a very real possibility that for many of you listening today, that gnawing doubt is there because the Holy Spirit and your intuition are are collaborating to tell you something's wrong. Something's wrong. Right. Okay. So on this topic of trust, so it's it's implicit in the whole idea of love, right? So it's part of our marriage relationship. First Corinthians thirteen talks about love, and verse seven says in that chapter in the Bible that love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things and endures all things. Like you hear the trust kind of implicit in that, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the believing, hoping, enduring, right? And there's also this really neat statement in Proverbs 31 and 11 that about the virtuous wife, that's the passage. It says the heart of her husband trusts in her. So trust is this emotional confidence in another person. And that's why betrayal hurts so bad and why it takes time to heal because it touches you at your core. Okay. On the other hand, when you can't trust, but you should be able to, then this also affects your marriage bond because of the fact that trust is implicit in love. So you've got like all the love ingredients minus trust. Your recipe is not working out very well for you. Right. 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 And again, this is where we want to try to help today. So we want to go over a few different possibilities here. And one or more of these may apply as you're listening today if you feel you're in our target audience for this episode. All righty. So the first area that I want you to think about is lack of trust as a means of maintaining control. So sometimes we can hold on to a lack of trust as a way to try to maintain control. And there's a study in 2015 that looked at the influence of trust on conflict discussions. Now, typically, if you're a trusting person, you tend to make positive attributions about your spouse, even in questionable circumstances, right? So if I, if you find a long black hair on my sweater, nobody in our family has long black hair, you remove the hair and that's it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of ends there. Mm-hmm. And you'll also tend to display more positive emotions than negative when you're in conflict. This is the sort of the attributes of a trusting person. Okay. Now, on the other hand, if you're a low trust individual, you tend to be more pessimistic and you tend towards that view of things. So if you see the same hair, the first thing out of your mouth might be like, who does this hair belong to? Like it's a challenge, Mm. right? An immediate, right? So then one person's always on the defense. Always on the defensive, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're less trusting, you often move very quickly towards tactics that destabilize the relationship hmm. and even maybe harm it because you have this underlying belief that your spouse is concealing negative events from you. Okay. Okay. So, so you're looking for evidence of that almost. Yeah. Kind of searching for support. Yeah. Now just kind of follow my logic okay. through here, right? So, and this is where, because this is where it connects back to control. In marriage, low trust spouses... Or more influential than high trust spouses. To me, yes, is in a row. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? Well, what happens is they tend to pull down the high trust spouse towards more negative outcomes. There's more power on the low trust side because they can always question, they can always needle, they can always kind of doubt what's being said, right? And then it leaves you having to prove to the low trust person why you're innocent. Your innocence, yeah. So that that immediately 
posits the low trust person into the position of judge and the other person as, what do you call that, the plaintiff or something? Oh, I don't even know. You know what I mean? <laughs> Having yeah, to explain yeah. themselves, right? And that's a power imbalance. Mm-hmm. So this kind of relates to what we've talked about with intimacy in the last few weeks and how being vulnerable creates more intimacy. And I mm-hmm. think if you're trusting, it leaves you more vulnerable, Yeah, which would bring you closer. Yeah. And it puts you on an even playing field as well, right? If you're both doing that. It's yeah. Mutual. Okay. Okay. So these researchers found that when one spouse was low on trust, both of the spouses felt less close following the conflict discussions. That makes sense. Yep. And only when both spouses score high in trust, this ties back to your vulnerability comment, mm-hmm. when both spouses were high in trust, the conflict ended up drawing them closer. Oh, right? okay. So if you're doing this and you're struggling with this, this kind of trust issue that we're talking about today, you might be engaging in conflict to reduce your uncertainty. But if you're the low trust spouse, you're already on the high side of the power imbalance, right? So you already have more okay. power and control. Yeah. So this puts you on that moral high ground. It requires your spouse to defend themselves before the court. It creates this natural power imbalance or automatic power imbalance in your favor. And so okay. my challenge for you if you think this may be yourself, is to think about this. Is it possible that there is a period of time in your life or was a period of time in your life where things felt really out of control? It could have been a betrayal in a different context. It could have been even like a traumatic medical situation. And maybe in that kind of spiraling, insane moments of your life, you were able to bring some sense of sanity back to that by by leveraging a lack of trust. And by that, I just mean I can't trust anybody but myself, so I'm going to take control. And that kind of clamped down all those anxious uncertainties for you, Hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. it's left you with this core belief that the only person I can trust is myself, which is externalized as as a lack of trust, right? Interesting. Okay. And then perhaps you find yourself today somewhat entrenched in that position. It's really scary to think about trusting you because it takes you back to a very real sense of vulnerability, right? So you're mm-hmm. locked in here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's scary. And this is why we're not being harsh or judgmental with anyone today because this is really tough. And what happens then is this lack of trust becomes a mean of maintaining control. And unfortunately, what you also see is that the study indicates that it's harming your relationship to your spouse. So even though there's this attempt to create safety in your life, at the same time, it's actually undermining your safety, And if you can see this, Uh what I'm hoping is that you'll find the motivation you need in order to think about making a shift there. If indeed this is the source of your lack of trust. Yeah. Right. So we're we're really kind of calling you to do some deep inner reflecting as you're listening today on this one. Yeah. Does that all make sense, babe? I think so. Okay. Next possibility, lack of trust is a means of self-protection. It's related. So a lack of trust can also be a way of protecting yourself. So research again in 2013 from another study, it showed that people with low trust in their spouse, they feel compelled to remember the past in a way that prioritizes self-protection over relationship dependence. So let me try to explain this. Mm -hmm. How this works is like, say there are transgressions on the part of your spouse in the past. Okay. Okay. If you have a lack of trust, you'll continue to act in ways that protect yourself rather than protect the relationship. You'll take care of me as a priority larger than taking care of us, Us. which seems, again, we're not being judgmental here because that would be so intuitive, right? That you need to do that. Right. To protect yourself. In order to be safe, right? So who wouldn't want to protect themselves, right? And I don't even think you do this purposely. Like consciously. Consciously. Yes. But remember here that this is eroding the relationship and therefore ultimately it's not self-protective. That's why this is so hard, right? Yeah. And so difficult to get unstuck. But that's difficult is exactly it. Like it yeah. takes a lot of courage. To risk again. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's the say, p- okay, I'm going to invest in us here. Yeah. And yeah. knowing in your head that ultimately that is for your own self-protection. 
But initially... Yeah, you're, everything about you is screaming no. Yeah. Your whole nervous system is saying, don't, no. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, this kind of natural sense of self-protection is what you resort to, but it doesn't work, right? Yeah. And it becomes self-fulfilling. That you're not, it tells you, you end up learning that you're not safe because it's destructive to your relationship. Oh, so therefore you try and protect yourself more. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So what these researchers found is that the greater a person's trust in their partner, the more positively they tend to remember the number, severity, and consequentiality of their partner's past transgressions. That's a quote from, from their research. So trust means that you have positive rememberings of when things went wrong. We learned from that. We put that behind us. We're stronger since then. That's kind of positive takes on that. Okay. So that people with high trust, and I'm quoting again here, they tend to expect that their partner will act in accordance with their own interests, which makes sense. Like you'll act in my benefit if I, okay. if I believe that I trust you, right? Yeah. And so they then if I have that positive way of thinking about you, Verlinda, I then, and I'm quoting again, I have the luxury of remembering the past in a way that prioritizes relationship dependence over self-protection. So I can rely on what we've built to get through this next challenge that we're oh, facing or whatever. okay. Yeah. And we actually promote the memory in a way that's biased towards a positive perspective on whatever may have gone wrong in the past. Okay. You just lost me. I think about things that went wrong. Yeah. In a way that's, like I, we put a positive spin on them if we're trusting. Okay. Okay. Like it was it for a time of growth or Yeah, it was a time whatever. of growth for us. That's a classical way of people saying that. Okay. Right? Okay. So this is what comes out of trust. Now, when those things aren't present, all those things are viewed as much more catastrophic, devastating. Therefore, I have to protect myself. Mm, protect myself more. Protect myself more, right? And okay. so self-protection becomes a very real part of this lack of trust issue. This is the thing that if you're, if you're having trouble trusting your spouse, you may just be trying to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily from anything they're doing wrong. Yeah, and you're not you trying to destroy the relationship. That. You see it as that. Yes. And this is how it's going down. Okay. So that's another thing we wanted to, to make you aware of. Now, the final one that I wanted to address, and there's other sources as well that can really make it hard for us to trust sources within ourselves, but is lack of trust as a core relationship belief or like a core relationship model. So... This may be the deepest level of trust issues that we're going to talk about today, but in our very early experiences with our primary caregiver, usually our parents, there's ways that we come to see the world at a very fundamental level as infants and as toddlers, and particularly with regard to our significant relationships. So the way, the model by which I relate to significant others as an adult is formed in my infancy and as a toddler, like the first five, six, seven, eight years of my life. Okay. Most of the work is done there, built in there. Yeah. By the way that my parents relate to me. Okay. Okay. And that, this is called attachment theory. And I don't want to go too deep here because you can spend months talking about this. But yeah, if you learned in the very early years of your life that the most important people in your world were not reliable, you will now naturally believe the same thing about your spouse, even if the very opposite is true of your spouse. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And again, this is where we're talking to this very specific niche of people who can't trust their spouse, but they know their spouse is a trustworthy person, right? Mm-hmm. So as humans, we all face this issue where we bring ways of seeing our significant other to, we bring the ways we see them into the marriage, but the way that we see them is more informed by our family of origin than what our spouse is like. Okay. Okay. So it's stuff that's happened in the past. It's not yeah. anything actually to do with my spouse. In this case, again, right? Okay. 
Now, sometimes out of that same brokenness, though, we do choose people that aren't trustworthy, but we're not right. We're not talking about yeah. <laughs> sort of where somebody's legitimately untrustworthy today. So this whole lack of trust idea could just be this core relationship model that was formed as a very young person as well. It could be coming okay. from that place. So how do you get out of that place? How, okay. How do we start trusting you? So it's a hard question to answer in this context. And there's a few things that we do know, Verlinda, and I want to try to get to so we can help folks here. One is that you have to watch for cycles in your marriage and you have to learn how to break out of them. And this is where, again, where the help of a marriage therapist like myself is particularly helpful. So for example, if your lack of trust has created a level of suspicion in your marriage, then your spouse may end up actually concealing ordinary legitimate things like hiding them from you just to escape some of the burden of suspicion because they don't want to be grilled all the time. And if you perceive this, that they're doing it because you will, that heightens it heightens your lack of trust oh my dear yeah which in turn reinforces them belief that they need to self-conceal resulting in a greater lack of trust and gets really hard to break out of the cycle right Mm -hmm. so one approach in this situation might be to actually initiate having a discussion with your spouse acknowledging how your own behavior with regards to not being able to trust and sort of the inspecting and Mm-hmm. That type of thing is promoting the cycle and just asking for your spouse's gentle engagement back in helping you to step out of the cycle. So not to start kind of pinning you or hammering you for everything, but just to, you know, and this is where you want to have this discussion about here's how you can help me out of this. Tell me, let me know, like whatever you're comfortable with, right? Okay. When you see me so, doing this. Yeah. So this isn't an attack like why I can't trust you. This is a why I struggle with trust conversation. Yeah. And it's about owning what's going on inside you. Yeah. And then asking your spouse, like, instead of sort of conflicting our way through this all the time, can you actually help me, just help me to see myself doing this? Right. And you can tell your spouse how you want them to do that so that it's easy for you to accept as well. Can you give an example of this? So, yeah, good question. It might be something like if I said, look, for Linda, I just realized that I'm always questioning you on stuff because I carry this innate lack of trust because of something that happened when I was a kid. Maybe I can give you the background story. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you blasting me on this all the time, but when you see me kind of starting to fret, can you just give me a signal that I'm spinning into my doubts, Mm, my suspicion cycle? And and maybe just say something like calming to me, like, okay, Caleb, just take a deep breath. Are you, is this a real doubt or is this the suspicion cycle? Okay. And okay. If you just if you bring it back to me that way, then I can. It's not affronting to me, and I can. It's probably not like stop doubting. Stop questioning everything, right? It's not going to work. So yeah. I'm then on the defensive. Okay. You, yeah. Okay. So another thing to note, just to help you with this too, is that trusting behaviors can come before feelings of trust. So you have to explain that one too. Yeah, your doing can come before your feeling with regards to trust. So another study actually showed this from 1990. I was a little struck by this myself because they asked 64 dating couples, and I don't know if I could do this, but they asked 64 dating couples to allow their partner to dance with a stranger. And if the person said, yes, go ahead to their spouse, can doubt with the stranger, this was seen as a trusting behavior. And what they found is that when, when that person said, yes, partner B can dance, then the feelings of trust were induced in the first partner. So if I say, yeah, go ahead and dance with Verlinda, mm-hmm. then I would feel it would induce feelings of trust in you towards me towards you in me i would feel the trust about you (laughs) 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 following following the behavior of acting trusting by saying yeah go dance oh so it's not actually me going to dance it was just you giving that trust to begin with yes in in the form of a behavior yeah yeah 
actually built it up inside me. Oh, That's wow. what they found. Okay, okay. Now, the impact of the trust was greater in, in this situation, if I was saying, yes, Verlinda go, can go dance. Mm -hmm. The impact of the trust was greater in myself than it would be in you. So what the researchers were concluding is that you might infer more trust from your own actions toward your spouse than your spouse's actions. Oh boy. Say that one more time. You might infer more trust from your own actions yeah. toward your spouse than your spouse's actions. So I would get okay. greater trust from saying, yes, go dance than from watching you, how you conduct myself, conducted yourself after that, right? Okay. Okay. And so, so rather than looking for somewhere where like you broke a rule or my suspicions give you the benefit of the doubt and act trusting. Yep. It can help turn this. It can help stop the cycle and turn it. Yep. Okay. Okay. So it's an, instead of responding to that or trying to alleviate the feeling thing mm -hmm. by just emotionally kind of turning yourself inside, mm -hmm. it's saying, start, try changing how you act. Oh. Demonstrate trusting behaviors towards your spouse. Mm -hmm. And finally, if you feel that the attachment issue most speaks to your situation, I would first recommend you to counseling. If your state doesn't prohibit out-of-state counseling, give me a call. Otherwise, find someone who can help you to shift your attachment style to secure attachment. Because this is a major construct, but you don't have to live with this. You can find healing. So that's the that's a great part about that third aspect of trust that we talked about. Oh, okay. Is that there are ways to recover from that. Yeah. And actually, your spouse can help you with this too. But that might be difficult if you're already having trouble trusting, Tr right? Yeah, yeah. So that's where it might get a little tricky for you. And you don't want to put too much pressure on, this, on them to quote unquote fix you. You really want to educate yourselves with regards to attachment and then learn how to create a healthy marriage relationship that really disconfirms those early models of relating to important others in your life. And it replaces them with like really healthy, functional models that keep you safe, but also allow you to be more trusting. So attachment okay. is what you want to do. And if you know anybody that's adopted kids, they'll know about attachment theory. You can always yes. ask them about it too. Yeah. yeah. So that's a whole lot for Linda about trust. Yeah. Now, there's probably some people listening today and you've experienced real betrayal, infidelity, affairs, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And I just want to speak to you for a moment because in the week that this podcast show is being published, we are releasing a new product that's made up of two matching journals. And I'm calling this sort of for the other kinds of trust issues where they're real because you have been betrayed. So are you saying that these trust issues that we talked about today are not real? Are real. <laughs> that's your yeah, good call. So where you're... Your trust issues, you can legitimately identify that they are based on the acts of someone else. Okay. That are betraying acts. Okay. And they're not maybe just constructs due to other traumatic circumstances you've been through that you carry within yourself. <laughs> that sounds like a total disclaimer <laughs> pile of... Did you want to say good. it better? I would invite you at this moment. I would say that they're both real. Like yes. yeah, the yeah, trust yeah. issues yes. that you might have, even if they're from within yourself, they're just, they're as, just real. as real. They're, they're, they're as much a felt reality. Yeah. But these issues that we're talking about in these journals, they're you, because of the actions of someone else. Yes. Of your spouse. Yes. And how you, go, occurred. how you go about recovering from those are two different pathways. Yes. So That's my good. apologies That's for good. implying that anybody's, and I mean this, for implying that anybody's trust uncertainties were not real. Thanks for correcting me on that, babe. Or helping me. <laughs> uh, anyways, what was I saying about that? Okay, so if you've ever experienced infidelity or affairs, we have a his and a hers betrayal journals. 
And they're, what these are is they're like devotionals. There's a scripture reading and there's a clinically proven pathway that you go through that helps you to recover and rebuild your marriage. They're 30 days. They're actually, I think they're quite intense, yeah, but it is the are. work that you need to do and you're already going through a lot of intensity. And so I'd recommend this to you. And I think what I really liked about these reading through them was that they're very complimentary. The his like, and the hers. The his, when her is working on something, his is like complimenting that yeah. work. They were kind of built like that. They were definitely built like that. <laughs> I know, but I'm just yeah. saying that I like that part. Thanks. And then, I don't know, you can like relate and talk about it. And... Yeah, it gives you something actually to begin speaking through this as well in a way that's constructive because a lot of folks find that they're really just kind of hashing and hashing and stuck when mm-hmm. they first go through Is this. Is there right? even any hope? Yeah. Yeah. So to learn more about this and to try the first five days for free, just open your browser and go to oif.link slash betrayal. And that'll take you to a page that we should have set up by the time this episode (laughs) is released. Things have always taken longer than we think. If it's not there, just save that and come back to it in a couple of days or get on our email list on our website or uh, reach out to us through the get in touch form on our website as well. Any one of those ways, just make sure you reach out. We want to get you this help because we believe it's going to be very influential in the lives of many couples. Once again, it's oif.link slash betrayal. Just type that in your web browser. All right, baby, let's wrap this up. All right. Well, we have a review on iTunes this week. So a huge thank you to LG631 from Canada, who says, excellent topics and research, five stars. I highly recommend this podcast for anyone in a relationship or not. This is all such valuable information that you will need at some point. Even episodes that have titles that I don't think pertain to me, there is always something in the research or the unpacking of the information that reveals that it does. There is so much valuable information being delivered in a compassionate way by two very passionate people. Oh, that is such a compliment right there. You said that very passionately. Oh, this podcast is truly a gift. (laughs) Huge and sincere appreciation goes out to you both. Thanks. But you know what? I think that it's so true too, Caleb. What? That there's valuable information here just on living life. Like, yes, definitely in a marriage, but even communicating or... Yeah. Even our trust thing that we talked about today. Like, I know that there's times that I run into struggles trusting someone and I'm having to watch if I'm getting something triggered from family of origin issues Mm -hmm, or if it's generally mm -hmm. something in this other person, right? Yeah. So there's there's always some to learn. That's true too. So... And another huge thank you. Yes, do that. Is to sue for becoming a patron. A patron? That sounds so patronizing. Supporter. A supporter. That sounds better. Supporter of Only You Forever. For a second where I had the word matron in my head. (laughs) We're calling people on our podcast matrons. No, 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 no. No. A supporter. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you, Sue. It helps a lot. Thank you very much. And if you'd like to get involved in our crowdfunding campaign, you can do that by going to oif.link slash give. It helps support this podcast. Believe me, we've been doing for this for two and a half years and all that hype about out there about how much money people are making through podcasts is absolute bunk. Yeah. So your support yeah. does mean a lot to us. Yeah, so first. next week, Fernando, we're talking about avoiding conflict in your marriage, but more in the sense of how bottling things up leads to more trouble and what to do about that. So sometimes mm. we don't, we avoid the conflict because, you know, we feel like it makes the marriage work mm-hmm. better. But, uh, but again, it's like it's shaking a can of pop. Oh, oh. good analogy. We should try and get a picture of a kid shaking a can of pop for that. Well, Linnea has bottles of Coke. (laughs) Anyhow, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 119. That's 119. We love you guys for being so courageous, for staying married, and for working so hard on your marriages. Remember, we love to hear back from you on iTunes in the form of... uh, 
a review if you have a chance. It really does encourage us and also helps our podcast appear more prominent on iTunes so we can help even more people. Thanks, Sam. We'll see you next week. I don't know why we say that because we never actually see anybody. Oh, that's true. But we say it every single week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.